Thank you for joining me for the City Mystic Podcast. I'm your host, Virginia Jester, and this is Season 1, Episode 1. Thank you so much for joining me for the very first episode of the City Mystic Podcast. I'm Virginia Jester, and I am the owner, founder, and CEO of City Mystic LLC. I create photographic tarot decks from different cities around the world, and I do this because I love to explore the social narrative and the storytelling that has so much influence and power over the way that we live, the choices we make, and the way that we see, see ourselves, as it were. So I want to thank you again for being with me for this very first episode. It's been such a long time since I was able to share what's going on with my world and the world of City Mystic as they coincide with the rest of you. And I'm excited to be back. I'm excited to be actively working with you again and sharing what I've learned in my time out and about in the world doing other things. And I'm especially excited to share what's going on with City Mystic that is new and fresh and, I think, very exciting. While I've been away, I've had so many experiences, and I've pretty much been to hell and back personally uh, and have gained some new tools in the process, which has turned out in these later months to be pretty cool. Um, And through that, I've kind of naturally come to a place where I'm looking around, whether it's with myself, with City Mystic, or with the clients that I'm working with one-on-one, or I do a lot of um, tarot card readings at events and things like this, kind of looks like a lot of folks in a general circumference sort of tone are going through a sort of evolution or a rewrite or some kind of turning of the wheel, if you will, where it's time to turn the page and start a new chapter. Uh, And with that new chapter essence comes the notion of reinvention. And so uh, there's sort of this um, cyclical spiraling pattern that generally tends to accompany reinvention. And I thought that it would be kind of cool to focus our minds and um, can get our set points about us by starting off with going over the major astrology events coming up this week. And since I'm not an astrologer, but I am uh, a basic astrology concept sort of guide and teacher, uh, I decided that it would be really cool to partner up with somebody for this little segment and have them give us the lay of the land. So I will not waste any more time. Let's just get right to it. This is the astrology forecast for the week of October 2nd through the 9th with very special guest Lee Coleman from Woo, I'm sorry, straightwoo.com. So I am joined today. I'm super excited about having this guest on as our first guest for the City Mystic Podcast because I found this lovely lady uh, on the internet while I was searching for information about the astrology transits coming up for the week of October 2nd through the 9th. 
And I was so stoked to find her site. Uh, I want to encourage everybody who's listening to go and check it out as soon as we're done here today. Um, my guest is Lee Coleman from straightwoo.com, and she also uh, writes for astrology.com. She's a contributor there, and I love the way that she goes about her work. So I'm excited for you guys to hear uh, what she's got going on. Lee, thank you so much for joining us on the City Mystic Podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. Thanks. It's, it's a real pleasure. Yeah, it's, I'm so, so happy to have you here. I really appreciate you joining us. And you are in what part of the world are you joining us from? Uh, yeah, clearly North American by accent. <laughs> but uh, I live in London and have done off and on since about 2006. Awesome. I love London. That's actually where I want to shoot the next City Mystic deck. It's on the short list. Oh, fabulous city. So I hope you do. Hope you so, do. So full of magic and yeah. f- fascinating history and so much culture. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. So I know we have a couple of really crazy things going on uh, with the astrology, or maybe not crazy, but impactful things. So I wonder if you can enlighten us briefly on the broad strokes and maybe share with us what you've got for how to kind of work with all that stuff. Yeah, so specifically when we're looking at October 2nd to 9th, which is the week ahead, um, October in general, I'll just say, is quite a bit more calm than November. (laughs) So even though October has some sticky wickets, as the Brits would say, um, you know, November is really more where kind of it feels like we're cooking with gas. Mm. Um, Specifically, though, of all the weeks of of October, Um, the first 10 days are really where we see the most impactful things happening because that's specifically where we see on October 5th, um, the Venus retrograde, uh, which is a big deal. (laughs) So yeah, Venus retrograde, it's going to be happening across Scorpio and Libra. And what Venus retrograde is, or what retrogrades are in general is from our perspective on earth, a planet that would normally be seen moving, um, you know, in a very uh, straightforward direction, seems to kind of just firstly stand still in the sky, almost like it's just stalling or treading water in some celestial fashion. And then it appears to move backwards in the sky. Now, the planet obviously does not move backwards. (laughs) Nothing crazy happens. But that's what it looks like from here on Earth, from our perspective. Um, And for ancient astrologers and sky watchers, this was really inauspiciously bad (laughs) because it was almost like the planets were gods and the gods were tasked with taking care of certain areas of life and of course when we talk about venus um whether that's venus or the greek iteration aphrodite or going back to sumeria and babylon um inanna and ishtar this was almost always a planet of um connection of communion of desire i remember in the babylonian text there is one that says specifically desire and communion And there's just a general sense of connectivity about this planet. So when we see it go retrograde, for that whole time period, which is really specifically October 5th to November 16th, but it starts October 5th, this coming week, typical things that happen are um, love and romance goes a little bit on the skids. (laughs) Um, Yes, fab, fun, party. And... um, but this is really all for the best. And I always like to reframe things in, the, in a, a more grounded sense and not to get too off, off in the deep woo doom tunnels. Um, 
yeah, it's possible that you might have some things crop up in a relationship or in, um, it could be between women, between femme friends. Um, it could be about love uh, and romance specifically, or it could just be about relationship and intimacy and what that is for you. But all of these things are meant to happen. So we can kind of get beneath the underbelly of relationship, dredge everything out that needs to be, especially in Scorpio, a planet that really likes to act like a compost pile come Phoenix um, and, and have a transformative process. And specifically across Scorpio and Libra, what I'm expecting and what I really feel about this is the balance and relationship and connection between the erotic, which is much more Scorpio, and the static, which is much more Libran, because they're always kind of seeking balance, seeking harmony. Mm -hmm. And it's very interesting as well, because Venus is said to be doing poorly in the sign of Scorpio, whereas Libra is a home sign. Um, so we're going to be kind of playing across two very different territories here. Uh, you might've seen things crop up or kind of be introduced about this transit from September 3rd, because that's where the, the first kind of like, um, stirrings of this transit make themselves known. But October 5th is like the go date. <laughs> that's when it stops being theoretical and it starts becoming real. So I would just, um, I guess I'd urge any listeners to kind of like, take everything with a grain of salt. I always say pray for a pause button um, during this period and let things arise and come out so that they can be seen, so that they can be healed, so that we can process them. Um, I always love um, the poet Audre Lorde who says, we all pay a lot for awareness. And we may have to pay kind of a cosmic bill <laughs> of awareness during this period, mm. but it is for the best. It is for learning, for healing. Um, and to get to the bottom of like, you know, what it is that we really want with relationship. I don't, um, I'm sure you would have experienced something like this yourself in your life, but there's many ways to be in relationship. And quite often in our cultures, uh, specifically Western culture, we conflate the erotic with almost the maternal, mm. um, meaning that often we get into relationship, something that might start off from the point of desire, from sensation, from eroticism, from attraction. And over time, it morphs into something that is about nurturing, emotional security, absolute abject safety, stability, nothing changing, nothing being risky which in fact kills anything erotic. <laughs> the familiar is the enemy of the erotic. And so another thing to think about, you know, to go past the kind of mundane thing of Venus retrograde just being crap for love, what I would urge you to think about is how, you know, what, how are you linked to erotic energy in your life? And what kind of connection do you find yourself in that energy? Can you even relate to it? If somebody says erotic energy, is it like, ooh, recoil? Mm. Can, you f can you locate an area of your life where you feel very alive and, and creatively um, alert in that kind of way? Erotic doesn't have to mean just sexual. It can mean also a certain quality of aliveness, of dynamism that, that feels active and alive and potent. So that is my really, that's the core, <laughs> Virginia, but. Um, that's a pretty big core. 
Yeah, it's pretty big core. It's a big old psychic knot to be untangled. Yeah. Um, and we're going to have some moments through this process that might feel a bit itchy, of course. And there's, you know, we're talking about October 2nd to 9th, but there's many aspects for the weeks to come as a part of this Venus retrograde um, that, again, are, are going to put us to the test a little bit. And, you know, shameless plug alert, I have a Venus retrograde download that I am in the process of putting down to, uh, together now that's going to go out about October 5th or so, she awesome. says. She says, <laughs> never, <laughs> never knowingly on time. So um, long as that Venus retrograde doesn't hit you. Yeah, in fact, exactly. Um, we're we're going to be going through a lot of these themes and unpacking things. Um, so I'm really excited about that. And if somebody wants to join, that's that would be a pleasure to have you along for part of that. Awesome, awesome, God, that sounds really good. Um, and so I wanted to back up just a bit because I know uh, so how does this Venus transit touch us in terms of reinvention, whether it's with eroticism or that safety and nurturing, do you have any tips for how we might be able to kind of plunge into that in a straightforward manner? Because, you know, it sometimes it feels like when we're hit with those, we want to find a way to have a sense of control or have a sense of Mm -hmm. being in charge of our, what we do with it. And we can't always have that, but we can make choices on how we work with those things. Do you have any like one little tip or one little piece of info that we might be able to take forward and like really kind of take the reins of that in any way that we can? You know, I kind of, I'm a big fan of the quote. um, It doesn't matter if the water is warm or cold, if you have to swim through it anyway. Mm. I can't remember who, who I'm stealing that from, but first I think the astro weather is what it is. Um, I really don't believe in using astrology in a way that you become a slave to it. I, even myself, you know, I'm a professional astrologer practicing pretty much full time at this point. I don't wake up every day and look at my transits. I don't, you know, slavishly look over my calendar thinking what's the best day to do this or what's the best day to do that. Or I don't know if somebody were to ask me on a date during Venus retrograde, it's not like I'm going to go like, you know, (laughs) hold up a a crucifix and run in the other direction um, until Venus goes direct. I think ultimately in life, you got to let go of the side of the pool and you got to swim. You've got to put yourself to the test. You've got to put your your faith to the test. You have to put your self-development to the test. And you're only going to do that by sometimes hitting the wall. Mm. That is so refreshing. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that's, that's really life, right? You know, and in that sense, whatever you don't master masters you. And I view astrology the same way. I don't, I, I never want astrology as I practice it for myself or as I put it out for other people to become this like rod for your back that Mm -hmm. you're, you're always running circles to just be again, slavishly in line with what the astrology says. I think we should all go live life. Um, I think part of this is going to be hard to avoid Virginia because Venus and Scorpio does not mess about. (laughs) It's not, it's not a real, it's not a halfway house for um, emotion or feeling. In fact, I'd say the better way to deal with this, Venus is going to be more in Scorpio than Libra Mm. is to go deeper is to get down and dirty. Um, is to kind of like open up the psychic erotic closets and just dive right in. I Mm -hmm. think the more we would aim to resist, 
Scorpio, which is by its nature a penetrative sign. Even if, if you're at home and you're looking or you can find in Google the glyph of Scorpio, it has that kind of phallic punching part that swings off the M. Mm. That is the, you know, that is the symbol, the, the phallic penetrative nature of Scorpio. You're not going to easily get out of its, um, you know, kind of laser eyes <laughs> or like um, if, if it's got its targets set on you, this Venus retrograde, I don't think you are going to easily dodge it in a way. I think the best way is just to, um, I, to I mean, you know, I totally hear what you said about control. All of us want to feel like we're in control or that we um, can assert ourselves somehow in a situation. But I think that is, that runs quite um, contrary to the nature of Venus and Scorpio and Venus, Scorpio and retrograde. Mm. I, think, I think the best thing we can do is to kind of merge, to penetrate and be penetrated and allow that to churn up stuff that again, is there for processing, is there to be released, is there to be healed. Retrogrades can be also deeply healing. It's not unusual to have an old lover come back on the scene mm. um, and to kind of feel closure. Or it, could, it might not even be a big event. You might just run into somebody or you might be reminded of an old dynamic you used to get involved in and see yeah. how different you are now. Mm. These are all those kinds of moments that could come up. I love it. And one, one last question on that note, because, you know, as a tarot reader, people always want to read about love and money, right? Like that's always, <laughs> that's really what we're talking about most of the time. And usually both, if we're being honest. Um, and so Venus, you know, she has her ties to love and money. Um, and so for those folks out there that are really kind of focused on the financial end of, of the Venus experience, any last parting tidbits for how that might play out? Or is this really about the eroticism of interplay with lovers? You know, I, the way I practice, I don't necessarily tie Venus and money together. Although um, I naturally see uh, an association or a relationship between Venus and value. Hmm. So I'm, um, I'm always, I always think about, you know, a talent in ancient terms used to be an item of great weight. <laughs> um, I think about our talents. I think about our resources. I think about self-esteem. I think about self-worth because um, Venus is quite bodily in that way. Um, and I'd say as a tertiary um, thing, I would think about money and resource too. It's, that's for sure. If, if money is on the cards for you as a big topic, uh, Venus retrograde where in... If you are Libra rising, uh, obviously Scorpio rising in some way, or um, Virgo rising, that's going to affect you more mm. uh, because it will be happening across or in part in parts of the chart that deal with money for you. Awesome. Well, thank you for, for indulging me there. I know I can just hear in, in, in my mind like five little voices right off the, the top of my head. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I think that brilliantly explains it really is, you know, that the whole self-esteem and self-worth part is, is kind of a sticky territory that's easy to over overlook or just get down to the, the A, B and C of it. But it, it's such a huge part of the process of generating money through that value and esteem. So I Absolutely. love the way that you broke that down. Um, and so for listeners who are really wanting to kind of 
take this and figure out where in their charts this might be happening or, you know, have some stuff that they really want to go over with you, how can they get in touch with you? And um, how do you generally like to work with people? Yeah, well, on my, on my site, straightwoo.com, um, you know, if you, if you really want to get knee deep in Venus retrograde, right on the, on the menu, um, on the nav bar, there's a, a link towards the Venus retrograde download. Um, so that's there and that will be available. Um, again, already people are ordering it, but it can be, you know, I'll, I think that'll be playing out till the end of the year. Because technically, although Venus is retrograde, October 5th to November 16th, the shadow period or the wider period um, of effect is September 3rd to December 18th. Mm. So you've got some time to unravel this stuff and it doesn't need to be urgent. And then secondly, of course, I do one-on-one readings, um, which is a real pleasure to me. And I consider the real work of an astrology reading is, I guess I would say it like this, you know, I'm a huge fan of Esther Perel, um, who I'm, I think you probably are too. And she always says that the quality of our relationships dictates the quality of our lives. Something that I think all of us can intuitively agree with. As a subscript to that, I think the stories we tell ourselves about ourselves and our relationships also majorly dictates Mm -hmm. the quality of our lives. And therefore I just, I look at my, my work as really, I want to get into that story with you. I want to wade into the swamp of your story and I want to redictate some of those myths with you. You know, whether the myth is like, like you said, I don't deserve money. I don't deserve this. My relationship to myself has is poorly impacting mm. how I engage with other people and, and ha- how I come out of those scenarios for good or for bad. And that's what I really feel like the work is, is like celestial copywriting. Mm, <laughs> like, love it. Let's, let's get into the story and rewrite it and get a different perspective on it so we can be um, in relationship with it and not led by it. Yeah, a bit of a shift of what is your astro brand positioning. Yeah. I love it. Well, that that fits perfectly in today's theme for the show, by the way, because we're really kind of going to be delving later on into the notions of reinvention and um, rebuilding and rewriting. So I love how themes like that kind of emerge organically that also match with what's going on with the stars. Oh, I love that. And you know, like, I, I love the quote. I don't know if you've ever heard it. Like, great books are not written, they're rewritten. Mm, I, I haven't heard that, but I love yeah. that. And again, I'm famous for like having tons of quotes in my back pocket, but never knowing where I, <laughs> who they're from. Um, but I, I feel the same way about our lives. You know, great lives and great purpose and great service is not written, it's rewritten. Mm. And we get to do that work, I think, as astrologers and, and tarotists um, and healers. Absolutely. Absolutely. That is, that is really the work, isn't it? Yeah. Yes, I it love is. it. Well, that is our little, our little guest presence from my wonderful, wonderful contributor today, Lee Coleman. And again, you can find her work on straightwoo.com. I literally found her, did some searching and sent her a message on her contact form and she got in touch with me super quick, super easy. Um, so I want to encourage you, if you feel like you want to go deeper into working with Lee, um, to go ahead and pursue that at straightwoo.com. And you can also see some of the articles that she's written 
on retrogrades and specifically the Venus retrograde coming up on astrology.com as well. And I, for one, am definitely going to be checking out the Venus retrograde download because Lordy knows I have plenty of my own Venus crap to rewrite and sort out. Mm -hmm. So I appreciate your tools and your knowledge and your wisdom so much. Thank you for joining us today. Oh, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. And for folks who want to find out more, of course, the links will be in show notes. So you can find more about Lee uh, in the notes section of wherever you are downloading this podcast. Thank you so much, Lee, for joining us. Thank you. So one more huge thank you to our guest for imparting all of that wonderful wisdom on us. And I just want to say I love how this episode is kind of coming together. What a beautiful way for the City Mystic podcast to begin. Uh, you know, this month is all focused. The next four weeks is really going to be a four-part series looking at reinvention and like the real nitty-gritty of reinvention, not just uh, the nice overview um, but I kind of want to talk on some real shit about like, what is it like to uh, get somewhere and to kind of live the full breadth of a thing and to get to a point where it's time to reinvent it. And, you know, oftentimes that reinvention comes after a previous invention, like sometimes in the process of self-development and healing uh, we start from scratch and we're really kind of rebuilding some part of ourselves or our ideas or our world um, from a place of maybe at the first point realizing we want to grow or we want to do something different from what we were taught. But as we get older, or as we kind of move further along in the journey of self-development and, you know, this thing called life, um, there can be a lot of places and a lot of times where um, certain areas of our life or our lives need to be reinvented multiple times. And I think that as, you know, it's kind of like a rite of passage almost to get to a point where a thing that you have reinvented once or twice is a thing that you come to terms with reinventing multiple times. And so the City Mystic podcast is really the birth of a reinvention of City Mystic in a lot of ways. Um, City Mystic has always been a company um, that is at its core about exploring the power of stories. And so for those of you who aren't familiar with my work, I make photographic tarot decks from different cities around the world, focusing on the architecture, the public art, street art, monuments, sort of all of the public social storytelling that goes on um, and hopefully captures a bit of our own hero's journey in those places. And the whole uh, concept behind that has always been about really uncovering what are these curated messages that we passively and subconsciously take in and what are they about and how do they affect us and um, what are the stories that we have that we often don't even realize we are participating in or living out ourselves. So City Mystic has always been about uh, that special art of not just storytelling, but story discerning, story deciphering, story identifying. And in a lot of ways, um, I am also, I should say, as a side, 
Um, I am also a tarot card reader. I don't just make decks, but I read and I teach tarot. Um, and I do tarot is a big part of my life and my world. It is what I do for work. And so as a reader or a person who's participating with tarot, I really approach it as this sort of personal narrative tool. I'm always looking at it as an opportunity to have maybe a personal strategy session around the stories we find ourselves in. And so uh, the notion of reinvention uh, as it pertains to City Mystic, this birth of this new podcast where we're going from here, you know, I've been through a lot personally through the process of having City Mystic as such a big part of my life. Um, and so the story that City Mystic is reinventing from is definitely of a place where um, the the narrative went as far as it could the way that it was. And for me with City Mystic, especially in my personal life, uh, the way that things changed was through a major kind of life explosion. It was a tower card. For those of you who know tarot, it was definitely a tower card kind of year and kind of experience. And so, um, you know, things changed and my life got rearranged and my relationship to City Mystic definitely went through a massive rearrangement. And now that there's a new sense of stability in my world and things have kind of shifted into this whole new chapter of my life, I'm looking at City Mystic and what I want it to be and what I want it to represent. And it's kind of a perfect time to be going over reinvention, what the reinvention of City Mystic is looking like. Um, and, you know, what I've learned along the path of reinventing my world. Um, so stay put. And after the break, we're going to come back and we're going to talk a little bit about really what is this reinvention all about and how do we begin to work with it? So you want a reinvention. I think it is kind of in the air, if you really think about it, aside from the astrology, of course, that we did discuss. I mean, <clears throat> it's a good time if we look at, I mean, I'm here in the States, obviously, uh, but all over the world, we're kind of at this point where things have surpassed the edge of acceptability for the story that used to be. And whether that is sort of this idea of traditional Americana and Americana's diplomacy, um, the, the very core values of what the upper crust American representation is, our sense of class, our sense of... Um, political discourse, all of that's going on here in the States. Of course, there's Brexit going on, which is a huge shakeup for the, it's a total almost restructuring in a way of the history of the UK and its relationship to Europe and its relationship spanning back to imperialism and, you know, then Europe's relationship to itself and the respective countries to their in their relationships to one another, uh, it's always been a huge back and forth and a fight for personal sovereign and, 
there's all this this narrative that is long standing in different places around the world in different cultures and in different bodies of people with so many different contexts at that i mean we could bring it even down to like the micro california festival culture or we could bring it down to new age culture or we could bring it down to yoga there's so many different ways in which we can sort of see um a bit of a scandalized story. It's like a story that has reached its limit of value and is now operating as some, in some way, a shell of itself. Um, and some of these, some of these story playouts are far worse than others, right? Um, as far as like what's acceptable and, and, and what isn't. Um, and, and some of these stories don't even necessarily need to be looked at in the context of good or bad or, you know, acceptable, unacceptable. It's just really extreme in a lot of ways. So when we start to see things shift out of balance that, that far, where we have a story that has gone so far into its maximum that the characters are kind of, you know, empty. Um, it's almost like the Star Wars series, uh, the whole empire, where those first those first movies were like amazing. And then we had that little window in between where it was going through a reinvention and it just felt like there wasn't a lot of narrative meat. A lot of people had complaints about like, you know, the way the CGI was done and it would just seem like it was an opportunity to showcase CGI, which, you know, if you think about it, the original star Wars films were like all about, um, the story plus using state of the art, leading edge techniques to shoot a fantastical film. Um, and by the time they came around with the second round of films, they were, it, it was a chance to showcase what had expanded in that regard as far as the technical um, film technique regard and highlighting CGI. These were like huge uh, expansions or leaps forward, you know, but we loved the films because of the story. And in those, in that, that sort of little second run of films being produced for Star Wars, people mostly hated them because even though they were a great technical expression, they just didn't have a lot of, there wasn't a lot of meat for us to bite onto in terms of the story. And that's what we really loved, right? So um, in the same ways, whether it's, you know, a big political story or a social story or um, a, a story of social injustice, you know, there's all these archetypes that have kind of reached their pinnacle. And what they tend to do when they reach their pinnacle is kind of peter out by way of getting hyper technical or really relying on the thing that is the vehicle for the story, as opposed to the real, you know, the, the core story of, of the characters and, and the interplay and that, that sort of notion. Um, so, and, you know, that's kind of grander scheme, but we could also really scoop right down into our personal lives. Um, I think a lot of us are going through personal transformations right now. And the, the environment is sort of perfectly set for that in, in a lot of ways. Uh, and, I think it's a it's a thing that we can share and embrace and really do some cool fun stuff with especially as we move into the future and there's some work 
that I think we could really benefit from doing. So over the next few weeks, I want to kind of go step by step through the process of maybe a more conscientious, conscious, aware, self-empowered manner to deal with reinvention, personal reinvention. And, and it almost doesn't matter what area of life it is. It might be for you in your spiritual life. It might be um, your spiritual practice or your work or you know, the way that you relate to your body with food and with healthcare and with exercise. Uh, it could be an area of your life that's more geared toward your finances your business, starting your own business, changing your relationship to how you work for money, going from employee to business owner or from business owner back to employee or to employee for the first time. It could be any number of ways that that transforms. Um, sometimes it's friends, it's social groups. Uh, sometimes it's, it's really, it seems really surface, but it's actually a bit of a expression of how we've grown when it comes to how we present ourselves, our clothes, our, our personal representation, how we wear our hair, our makeup. Those sort of makeover things can be really shallow, but they can also be significant benchmarks of a transformation that we have been going through on an internal level that we just feel the need to express more authentically who we've become now that we've changed. So there's so many ways that this could be playing out. It's a sort of pick your poison kind of a scenario. Uh, but I think a lot of us can relate to this idea of transformation. And some of us really feel this sense of transformation on like all levels, like all of those, all of those boxes that we ticked off. Yes, yes, yes. Employee, yes. Spiritual practice, yes. Uh, finances, yes. <laughs> Friends, clothes, what have you. Uh, so for those of us who are going through even more intense reinvention processes, there's profound empowerment to be discovered in inhabiting our own stories, in, in taking responsibility for our stories. And, uh, and that doesn't necessarily mean that we perceive ourselves as in control of the way that it goes, but it, it means that we are able to acknowledge our role, where we've been, where we're going, and how that all is developing. So the first piece of reinvention to really get acquainted with that we're going to go over this week is all about taking stock, taking inventory. You've got to identify first what is really reinventing. And, and you know, if it's that whole life kind of reinvention, go ahead and own that. Go ahead and say it. I, I definitely am going to put myself in that camp. You know, I spoke a little while ago about uh, City Mystic and me and my relationship to it and going through this whole transformation around it. And that transformation is very much informed by the personal transformation that has continued to happen in my life to the point where it's just been like one foot in front of the other. And after so many steps, I turn around and I live in a completely different world with a completely different life, uh, inside and out. So it, it can happen on, on those really major levels. And I think that reinvention is a word that I like to describe this process because 
I, in my eyes, I don't think that it is necessarily, I, I don't know that I believe anymore in these notions of like ascension and I believe in evolution, but I don't believe in evolution to this notion that we have to step up to the next level. I, I, I think we're people. I think we're a species. I think we are animals. I think we are human beings. We are stardust. We are these creatures that live on this planet. And as long as we are embodied as creatures living on this planet, we're having creature experiences living on a planet. You know, I, I think that it's about experiencing the full breadth of society and humanity and human beingness. And so in my, in my mind, I love, you know, the woo woo of it all. But I think that the point of personal growth and personal transformation is to learn how to be a happier, healthier, better human. Um, and by better, I don't necessarily mean fixed or ascended or not, you know, non-human in human form. I, I think we're here to discover ways to be effective as humans who survive, but also effective as humans who thrive. So, so for me, reinvention is almost like revolution, not necessarily only evolution. I'll put it that way. I like that. I think that evolution is involved. Uh, but I, I think that we're revolting. We are revolving. We are spiraling around old stories and kind of watching them cycle through to the maximum and then watching them contract into new stories. So in our own worlds, as we're having these revolutions of ourselves and of our lives or different areas of our lives, we're kind of, well, we're not kind of, we're definitely going through change. But it's a, it's a really natural part of the growth process. And it's something that ultimately we get to a point where we get to challenge either what we've been taught or what we have created. Uh, we can, we're probably going to go through this process, especially in, in areas of our lives that keep reinventing. We're probably going to be with those for the entirety of our lifespan. You know, I, I, and I think that that is part of what it is to be an individual. We have our own individual challenges, our own little life school areas of study, if you will. And so we're, as each time we reinvent, we learn new pieces of the story. Uh, we get to identify old pieces of the story we didn't even know we were writing. And we get to figure out a better way. It's, that's, in my mind, that is what empowerment really is all about. So as far as beginning the process of working with your personal reinvention, we're really looking at dissecting old stories to get to the bottom of them. So when it comes to what you feel really ready to change, it's nail down that something, whether it's your business or your whole life, you know, really nail down is it how you feel when you're going through every day? Is it your relationship to the way that you have energy in the form of money and food and shelter? Um, There's so many different things that we can be kind of facing when we're talking about reinvention, but we need to really identify and not just, you know, I, I, 
I wish that this person were behaving differently or I wish that my body didn't hurt, but like really pull back and take inventory. What is at the core of that thing that you feel really, really is ready to change? And I'll tell you what, it usually has something to do with love or money. And love doesn't necessarily mean romantic relationships. Oftentimes, and arguably every time, um, love is about love for ourselves, uh, but it can be a little obtuse. So there's definitely room for there to be fragments of light that come through that lens that are more bent toward um, relationships, close relationships, marriages, um, family relationships, friendships, right? Um, But no matter how you really slice it, we're kind of getting to the bottom of love. And that love is first from ourselves and then the story that we write from there is all about what we think we're worth or what we think love is all about. And the same thing with money, except money is more our survival. You know, it's, it's like, how do we provide? How do we take in the energy that we need on a physical level to sustain? So love is like the emotional energy that we need to sustain. And money is the physical energy that we need to sustain. We kind of have two kinds of two kinds of gas that go in this car to make this life thing work, right? So when we're reinventing love or money or both, we've got to get to the bottom of what stories we're living out. And so I'll give you an example with City Mystic. Uh, there went <laughs> the hardest part was definitely the identification part. Uh, for me, because I went through this process where I had funded my second tarot deck, which was City Mystic Paris on Kickstarter, and it had surpassed all of these wonderful expectations um, and hopes that I had for what I needed to publish the deck. Um, That was amazing. It sort of reached a pinnacle of the story that I understood it to be. Uh, like what City Mystic was in my life, who I was with City Mystic, um, what City Mystic could do. It had surpassed the level that I considered to be the the successful birthing of a story. And while that was happening, my life was also privately falling apart. I had the dissolving of a relationship that was very much my stability base, um, a home, children, you know, the whole thing. Um, And after that dissolved, um, I had a very close, long standing, one of those like bones of your life friends passed away in a very public and sad way. Um, And then, you know, I had really focused all my time and energy on producing the deck. So I wasn't exactly paying attention to what was happening around me in my neighborhood, in my area of the world. And so while I was nose to the grindstone on the production of the deck, um, my neighborhood was getting exorbitantly expensive really quickly. My rent got raised out of nowhere a couple hundred bucks a month. So all these things sort of happened to really, really shake the stability of my own personal situation. While at the same time, the full breadth of the story that I had written for City Mystic had sort of created itself. And I found myself in a place where uh, for a long time after everything changed, I was really confused and lost and um, resentful and um, 
I really didn't know what to do with the story of City Mystic from there. And things didn't go the way I planned them to go with the production of the Paris deck. And I mean, rent got raised and shipping prices went up and all this stuff that I hadn't anticipated happened. Um, and so for a long time, I mean, I just kind of had to step away or it was going to drive me crazy. Uh, and I also had to go take care of my foundation and my stability and rebuild the the basic foundational stones of my own life. And then I got to a point where I had those foundations again and I could not bear to touch the the concept of City Mystic for a while, you know. And I think that we go through that with reinventions too, where it's just like, oh, this is in such a state, I don't even know what to do with it. I, I need to like not even think about it for a long time. Um, and then getting to a point where it was really time to start considering what happened there that was such a big important part of my world and now that I turn around and look at my foundation where does it belong here and what I discovered at that time that was the time for the reinvention because that was the time when I started to identify what what really happened there um, and so what I noticed by going through the memories and you know the the actualities of what city mystic used to be uh, was that i was writing that story from a lot of old stories i had things in there that needed to change i needed to really look at my ideas about work and men and women and men and women's roles at work uh, a big part of things falling apart in my personal world had to do with incorporating my relationship into my work and the types of work that I felt disempowered to do I just gave to my ex because he was the man and that was man's work you know IT stuff like the foundations and the nuts and bolts I had given away I had disempowered myself because I was writing a story that wasn't entirely good for me but I couldn't know that unless I lived it out. And that's kind of the gift of reinvention. We, we, we live out a story so that we can see more clearly what a better way to write the story is. And we also get to experience the satisfaction of achieving a story that we find really works for us. And so in the same way with City Mystic, there were things that really worked for me there too that I was really happy about. I, I love a lot of things about the story that was created, especially with what City Mystic is really all about. Um, I'm still finding on the other end of my own life transformation that I care very much about curated messages and the power that they have over us. And so in, in, in similar ways, when you're dealing with a reinvention in your world or in your life or in your character or some, some part of your self-representation, going back and identifying what were those stories that you really want to change. You don't have to at this point know what you want to change them into. You don't have to at this point understand exactly where you'd like them to go. You don't even have to feel good about looking at the stories. In fact, this part might not feel so great because you're sort of touching something that you know wants to change and usually we don't feel motivated to make change until we're really uncomfortable with something. So this first week, this first part of the process, this first piece of reinvention is really all about just identifying. Like, is it, is it, um, 
is it that the old stories are um are good for us are not good for us did we you know what exactly do we want to be different with our love lives or our work or our friendships um, and then the next piece that we really need to figure out is that we've got to get clear on our perceptions of that story making extra sure is it really the way that i've been telling myself it is or is that just my perception is that how i've been seeing it Oftentimes when we get to a point where we feel ready and primed to kind of tackle reinvention or rewrites, changes in that way, redos in some ways, we're usually there from a place that we've had at least some experience or some time or something has happened where we could sort of shift our point of view. And it's usually from that shifting of point of view that we can start to see like where we have power and where we have responsibility and what we can do with that. So just taking a little bit of an inventory, whether you are journaling or whether you are reading tarot for yourself, uh, if you do like to read tarot for yourself and you know a little a thing or two about the cards, I strongly suggest doing a little three card reading for yourself this week, pulling a, what has the story been? Where am I now? What is the story moving into? And just start there. Um, if you don't know how to read cards, um, and you want a reading, you can, of course, always hit me up. I do have time set aside in my schedule a few days a week for private one-on-one -on -one readings online or on the phone, or, you know, check out Lee Coleman's work. She might be another good person to work with. Or if you're someone who really wants to go in a different direction with, um, counselor, therapist, life coach, a professional in that way, However you go about it, um, or if you're someone who really likes to work really privately and personally, um, just a journal session between you and you or a voice memo session between you and you, right? Getting your thoughts out. Really, it doesn't matter how you go about it. Sussing out and, and understanding how do I feel? What are the stories that I'm identifying here? And how do I see them a little bit differently? Or what now from this different point of view do I need to change? And it all kind of fits really nicely in with that Venus stuff. So that Venus retrograde that's coming up this week is a really great opportunity to go in there and have some discomfort and work with that in an empowering way as opposed to having it be a thing that fucks us up, drags us down, keeps us stressed out or anxious or, you know, all that stuff that happens when we don't know what to do with uncomfortable feelings. Um, this is a way, looking at things in terms of a reinvention, um, we can also sort of see those, those bits that chafe as opportunities or invitations to reinvent something, to rewrite a story, to um, really get to the bottom of it. So I want to encourage you this week to definitely do what you can, do your part to um, go in there and identify what are your stories and what are the stories that you have around what you really want to change? What are the stories specifically themselves that you want to change? And without knowing what you want to change them into yet, um, you know, really pin down what do you want to keep and what needs to be different? So this is a fun little segment I like to call One Little Thing. And what this segment's really all about is like finding the symbols and the stories and the reinforcements in our daily world. So 
finding that one little symbol of, in this case, the thing that we're going to transform. For me, I'm still looking for mine personally, um, but I'm kind of leaning toward selenite as my one little symbol. For those of you who don't know what selenite is, it's this lovely crystal that's often used in like crystal therapy and energy therapy. And it's a really translucent, clear, clean, pure kind of a stone. And so I've been working with the idea of really rebuilding um, or reinventing city mystic and my work world on the foundation of selenite like i really like the that sounds really comforting to me that sounds like a good story to me so the symbol for this reinvention that i've got going on is selenite i think i haven't totally 100 committed but i keep finding it everywhere and i keep dreaming about it and things like that so that looks like a good one for me now for yourself working with your reinvention your one little thing This week, I want to challenge you to find one little thing that is the symbol that is really what you associate with the message around what it is that you're reinventing. If there is, you know, a set of numbers, for some people it's numbers, if there's a a pair of doves that have shown up, if there's a hummingbird or... um, I don't know, a guy in a black Ford. Like if you just keep seeing this one little thing that you know in some way, shape or form is associated with your reinvention, I want you to go ahead and claim it and name it and own it and let that be your one little thing. Let that be your magic symbol. Because oftentimes in the mundane world, in city life, in urban life, like the city mystic, the city magic is around finding those things that seem totally unmagical or totally normal and identifying them as important mystical symbols or mile markers for us. Uh, Their inspirations, their reminders, their connection to spirit. And we, you know, would be lovely to have the experience as human beings of being in a time when we're all in nature and we're all living off the land but that is simply not how we're living now and I want to just say for for those of you who don't know who are maybe outside of the states or in certain states in the middle of the country where it's less the case for a lot of us in more um, densely populated states or um, those big dollar states California New York um I think Colorado is actually in there. There are a few states where we've had movements of people really trying to figure out how to live off the land and live simply and, you know, collect rainwater and live in tiny houses that they built. And systematically, one by one, those are being made illegal. And so this whole pursuit of a life living off the land and living with nature is a beautiful one. But I just want to point that out because you know, is becoming increasingly more difficult to connect with, or increasingly it's becoming something that only a few people actually have access to. And I'd love to have inclusive conversations about spirituality, mysticism, symbolism, and our power that don't only involve uh, options that are not entirely available to most people. So no matter where you are, who you are, what hood you're living in, and and I mean hood in all ways, whether it's hood as fuck, or it's just your hood, like you can still have access to symbolism and mysticism and your own magic. uh, And it can be totally based on the world around you. So cars, houses, colors, um, if there is a certain something that really 
for you represents what you're reinventing or the, the core of what you're reinventing. And once you go ahead and own it, jot it down in your journal or however you're keeping track of your process, let that be your special symbol or that, that special representation of, you know, really what this is all about for you. Um, it's through those things that we kind of find grounding and find the encouragement and the excitement and the enthusiasm to move forward. And it's a way to kind of keep that spiritual side of ourselves clicked on while we're dealing with the shit because really real life, re, re, you know, reinventions and reformations and rewritings, there's a lot of like one foot in front of the other steps that have to be taken. And there's bullshit that has to be done. And there's bullshit people that have to be dealt with. Like there's stuff, right? There's no getting around it, no matter how uh, spiritual or positive you are. So bring your real life into your mystical world. I'm going to go ahead and call that as permission. This will be something we do in every show. I love the idea of having one little thing in our real modern world that is the symbol for where we are now. That is the piece of magic. And I also pulled a card because I want to just be able to make space to do that every week. Pull a card about like what is the message we part with? What is this all about as far as tarot is concerned? And of course, it's so funny. I didn't want to shuffle on mic. I didn't want to give you all that background noise and banging around. But I did shuffle and I did do a random pull like I always do. And I asked for a symbol of what is this reinvention all about this week? And you're going to love this. I got the tower just like I mentioned earlier in the cast when I was sharing a bit of the story of City Mystic. So I clearly have a lot of experience with the tower and know it really well. Uh, and what we're looking at here, honestly, this is about getting the bullshit out of the way. This is about everything that is not genuine and authentic and valuable at a core level to you in this part of your life that's being reinvented has got to go. It has just got to go like a sh like a snake sheds its skin. It's just not the time to bring along the extra crap. It's time to make room for the new. It's time to shed the old skin. It's time to get rid of the bullshit. So any lies that you have been telling yourself, any false stories that you know are not true or are no longer true, any messages that you know are keeping you stuck, content that you're taking in that you know is not good for your brain or your heart or your body or your mind. It's time to really identify what that is. And the tower is about do it either head on or watch it kind of have negative consequences. And, and this is in a way where this shit is trying to get your attention. So let it get your attention in a way that doesn't end up being something that gets, you know, forcibly shifted go with the flow of the shift and in this case going with the flow means be really honest with yourself it's okay to identify this stuff it's okay to name it it's okay to participate with it it's okay to have a bit of uh, an identification session about your story i see this as like the ultimate reaffirmation that the best thing that you can do with this whole reinvention piece and this time and this space is to go head on, confront it, look right at it, and just take a full inventory of what is it that needs to go away so you can get back to a more quality, core-driven, um, 
pure essence of what you're up to. So I hope it helps. And I want to thank you so much for joining me for this very first episode, season one, episode one of the City Mystic Podcast. I'm very much looking forward to doing this again with you soon. Next week, we'll be back and we'll have another astrologer guest to give us a sense of what those micro movements are looking like in the sky. I'm sure there will be more to talk about then. And we'll also go into the second phase of reinvention. This is where we start having um, some, some real action steps to take. So stay tuned. I hope you join me for that one. If you're in the throes of a reinvention, I wish you the absolute best luck and so many blessings on that journey. And I know you're going to do great. And I can't wait to see you back here for the next step. I hope you guys have a good one. And, uh, yeah, let's podcast again next week. Bye.